Welcome back to another episode of the Shift Drink Podcast. I'm Ed Rudisell and got a good friend on the show today and um, actually a friend from the show. Uh, we've got Yannick Benjamin, who was last on the show several years ago. Um, we were talking about wheeling forward, wine on wheels, um, all kinds of cool stuff, axis as well. And um, we'll leave links to all that in the show notes. But Yannick was able to get his own place opened here uh, yeah, just a few months back. It was a long time coming because of the pandemic. And so, yeah, we've got a lot of things to catch up on. And it's just, it's super cool to actually like have a good friend uh, like Yannick that I can count on. And it, it came about through, through Shift Drink itself. So welcome back to the show, man. Such an honor um, and, and a pleasure. And it's great to, uh, to be here with you, Ed. You know, we've, we've kept in touch during the, the pandemic and um, you were kind enough. Uh, I had some issues. I, uh, I fractured my femur. You sent me a couple of good books. Uh, fractured. So really I think that's an understatement. <laughs> Obliterated your finger would be more like it. Oh, but yeah, obliterated. Yeah, that day, exactly. Exactly. No, true story. True, but no, it's a I'm I'm super excited. Thank you. Cool. Yeah, I forgot about I forgot about that book. That was a I was trying to, I mean, you know, how do you find a book specifically about like, you know, wine, aroma, all these things that we kind of think about for a psalm that he hasn't read before, you know? So I was uh, <laughs> Maggie Campbell recommended it. So that was um Actually, I contacted yeah. her to get a record. I was like, do you know what you oh. might have read, what he might not have read? And she's like, I don't know, but this is a great one. So, yeah, hope that, I can't take all the credit for that one. Maggie like killed it. She's brilliant. Yeah, she's brilliant. Yeah, even more brilliant now because she's living in fucking Barbados. <laughs> you know, like, That's right. Yeah. yeah. Unbelievable, huh? Yeah. Wow. I, yeah, How do we get a, that gig, a, right? <laughs> that's what I want to know. Exactly. Yeah. Right? She deserves it. Well, you know, speaking of deserve, um, man, I cannot... Like every time I pull up social media, which is admittedly less than it than I have in the past year or so, but it's just constant. I mean, the accolades for your new place, um, Contento is the name of the place. It's in East Harlem. Um, and they're just pouring in. And it's, I mean, it's fantastic in a number of ways. And But, you know, I was just thinking about it. Um, obviously, I kind of brushed up before we chatted today, you know, read the New York Times article, which First off, the New York fucking Times. That's awesome. You know, Heat Wells coming in and writing you up like you're what, five months old? Not even four yeah. months, right? Yeah. Yeah. So yeah. that's pretty badass, um, especially in a time when they're not doing stars, right? So you're like, ah, oh, cool. You don't have to worry about the competition and the pissing match. Um, but, you know, I was thinking just about how fucking genuine the place is. Cause, like, you know, I, I feel like whenever you give me a compliment or, or, you, or you are talking about somebody else, like it's really genuine. Like it's not bullshit. Like coming from you, you you know you just don't have time to to you know blow smoke up somebody's ass. Like you you were gonna tell them exactly what you think because it's just not enough time to you know fuck around with life. And so like I was thinking about how genuine the place is, you know, where it, how it's kind of just um, it's one of those rare places where like the philosophy of the restaurant isn't just a BS like mission statement, right? Where you like have to come up with something that's very cool and politically correct and yeah. make everybody happy, yeah. but it's really a lot more of like a three dimensional like representation of all of the owners and the partners that you have there. Like it's just a representation of the value system and the morals that you guys kind of hold dear. It's just this personified thing, you know, like it's really a kind of a living and breathing establishment right off the bat, which is so hard to do. I mean, you know, is that you accurate know, to say? That you're incredibly accurate. And I appreciate you saying everything on what you just said right now. Um, you know, it's definitely, I mean, at least in my opinion, it's definitely much more than a restaurant. Um, and it's always a beautiful thing when you have people who come to the restaurant 
and say to you that they feel like they're part of the actual audience. They're not being treated differently, but they're also being treated with the respect and dignity that they deserve. That they deserve. Mm-hmm. And for example, I'll give you an example. Um, the other night we had a person who was blind with their guide dog sitting at the bar because the bar is counter seating. Okay. Right. Um, it's gorgeous too. Yeah, no, it's a small little place, but he's there. He feels like himself. He knows that the, tr- the staff is trained to deal with people who have specific or spe- or different kind of needs. And again, it's, it, you know, you can create a perfect restaurant that has universal design barrier free. Right. But if you don't incorporate and you don't have that culture of empathy, that culture of welcoming, that culture of like, I am here to bend over backwards. I want to make this a special evening for you, whether it's just you having a, a Modelo to someone having a, a, a $500 bottle of wine, mm-hmm. you know, everyone is being treated at a high level, but again, being treated with respect and dignity that they deserve. And I think that's, what's really important. And I, and that's what we really tried to do. Like, again, you know, I contend to, my dream was always to create a restaurant where people with disabilities can come into and feel like they can be themselves. They don't have to worry about any kind of obstruction. There's nothing worse than like calling up a restaurant saying, Hey, is your bat, is your uh, restaurant accessible? And they say, yes. But when you get there, you know, there's three steps, they pick you up, then you get there and the bathroom's not accessible. People don't want to deal with that, you know? And I think that's what we're trying to talk about. But again, the real important conversation is that the staff is trained and willing and has a, a, a purpose of, of treating that individual who might have a disability, whether it's intellectual, physical, um, you know, blind, uh, part of the deaf and hard of hearing community, that they're there and they're there to make them feel good. Right, man. And, you know, so the... Um... You guys, I don't know if I like the slogan of the place. I don't know if slogan's the right word, but you know, it was like accessible for everyone. But that's deeper than just like, you know, like you just said, like it's more than just making sure you've got your 38, six inches or 40 inch stalls and all the, and the, the steps, right. you know, there's like all the little things. And so um, as I was reading that New York Times article and they, they had talked to somebody that had dined with, with Pete Wells and I mean, there was things that I, you know, I just wouldn't think about myself and that's coming. I mean, I've designed five restaurants now. We have the benefit in Indianapolis of we have more real estate, right? So we can actually, accessibility isn't as much of a trick, but you guys are in a really old city in New York. So, I mean, you kind of have to work around what the building is giving you. And I just can't imagine having to kind of deal with that bullshit if I were like blind, deaf, in a wheelchair, like any of those things. I mean, you know, and so it's hard for me to kind of put myself in those shoes, but, you know, I obviously, you know, like you said, it's the accessible for everyone isn't just the physical access, right? You know, it's mm. it's feeling like you belong there and not only belong, but like you're not being singled out. Like some, you know, I, I often see that, right? Like um, staff kind of going over the top to try to take care of somebody that's, you know, either in a wheelchair or blind and just like, and a lot of times really, really unnecessarily, you know, making a big kind of scene and when it's just not, you know, they just, want to eat and so and i think that that's really at the core of what at least what i'm seeing you know written about you is like just how that kind of sense of community 
Right. And it, I mean, it's, it's the same thing, you know, I mean, we, as human beings, we, we have pretty good intuition. You know what I mean? We, we, we can feel when we're wanted and when we're not wanted. Right. 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 Um, I'm sure you've experienced that where you're sort of like the last table in the dining room right? and, <laughs> right. and you're there, you're having a good time. You're, you know, you spent some money. Right. And I mean, you just so happen to be the last table, but you can feel sometimes the waiters, the bartenders, they're just kind of staring at you. Mm-hmm. And they're like, when the fuck are you getting out of that table? You know what I mean? <laughs> right. Well, now people with disabilities, imagine you have someone, you know, who's, you know, wheelchair, they, they, or they, they're blind and they trek all the way down to your restaurant. They've got to deal with mass transportation, which is right. already a hassle. Um, maybe the elevator broke. Um, they just had to deal with some other crap, whatever it is. Right. And they finally get to your restaurant and maybe they're five minutes late. Right. They're overwhelmed. They, they're, they're feeling a little stressed. And meanwhile, they're they're being received by the actual host or hostess. Mm. You can see the host or hostess. They're kind of grumping. They're like, well, you're five minutes late, but all right, let's go. Come on. And they sit you down. And then the waiters, they're like, oh, my God, like what's taking this person so long to get settled in? You know, people feel that. And what we try to do at Contento and say, like, no, let, like, let them take their time. We don't know what it took them to get here. Right. And whatever the case is, we should definitely appreciate it. They took time out of their, or out of their day to come visit us. And so now we're, we're going to make sure that we're going to create a really special moment for them. So talking about that creation, like where, where was this pro- project born? Because, I mean, you and I have been talking about it for years. I mean, before it was years. realized, um, but you've got a lot of people involved. And I mean, like I said, all of you, you know, have like, it's a passion project for every single one of you. So like, how did this yeah. kind of come about? How did you get involved? Uh, you know, what, how, as we kind of led into the pandemic, I guess everything shifted yeah. years at that point, but. <laughs> I, I have a really good friend and, and mentor. His name is George Gallego. So when I was in a car accident in um, October of 2003, I went through the whole process of rehab and there's no book, there's no manual book on what's going to happen. You're like this new mm-hmm. chapter in your life being a full-time wheelchair user. So they assign you like a, a mentor and George Gallego was assigned to me. And we kept in touch throughout the years. And George Gallego is, a, is an accomplished wheelchair athlete. Um, and so eventually as the years went by, I really wanted to participate in marathons, but I didn't know how to go about it, you know, what kind of racing chair I needed to get. So I reached out to him again and he said, come on over. And, and we really, cl- you know, we hit it off and, um, and he helped me get the proper racing chair and he helped me train and all that. And we just remained really good friends. And then we started doing a lot of nonprofit work together, um, helping other people with disabilities, especially those from like lower income backgrounds or those that didn't have that kind of love, care and support that you needed to really kind of make it through the, these really difficult times. And so as time went on, George is a, is a, is an incredible social entrepreneur. He has his own nonprofit. He, he's really successful. He, I mean, he's just one of those guys who has his hands in a lot of different things and someone I really respect. And he would get, you know, push, pull me aside every so often and said, Yannick, why do you keep working for other people? When are you going to open up your restaurant? And they said, George, you have no idea what a beast this industry is. It's so <laughs> hard. He's like, yeah, man, but you got to do it, man. Take a chance. And anyway, long story short, um, 
just about the end of 2018, he said, I, there's a spot right down the block for me. And my friend's involved. He signed this lease, doesn't know what he wants to do with it. He just signed it because it was dirt cheap, but he always wanted to open up a restaurant. And I thought of you and I want to be a partner with you if that's possible. And I said, of course, I would love to be a partner with you. You're like my dear friend. You know, I meet this guy, Lorenz, and we we're like brainstorming on how to make this happen. And fortunately, when we signed the lease anywhere, when he signed the lease, it was only like a few weeks in, there was a nine month uh, tenement improvement. So we weren't paying any rent for nine oh, wow. months. Wow. So it really gave us the opportunity to figure out what was needed in that particular neighborhood. Mm-hmm. And then we found this chef and then all the pieces to the puzzle were coming together. And I knew that I really wanted a positive kind of name, which was going to be called, you know, which was now called Contento, which means happy both in Italian and Spanish. Mm-hmm. And it was also a way to pay homage to the immigrants that really created this energy and this beautiful kind of concept of East Harlem. In the early 1900s, it was predominantly Italian. And then in the after the 1950s, it became mostly Puerto Rican, Mexican, Central American. So I said, contento, happy in Italian, happy in Spanish. And that's how we came up with this name, but also something really positive. And long story short, we were supposed to open up in spring of 2020, but of course, COVID decided oh, yeah, to come yeah. around and we were stuck. And that's and then we didn't open until June of 2021. Yeah, you were one of the first people I thought of, you know, when that everything hit and I was like, oh my God, he was just a few months out from like, you know, I mean, you literally from opening. I mean, it was, you know, it, it I guess it was lucky that you hadn't just opened, <laughs> you know, because I know some people that were in that boat. So you were definitely able to dodge that. And it, I know that uh, it gave you a little extra time to work some things out, even though it wasn't uh, something that we, any of us wanted was that extra time. But, you know, we're talking about, you know, that neighborhood um, and how the neighborhood's changed over the last century um, and the prior, the prior, you know, century from ni- early 1900s and on. Um, this is your neighborhood, you know, like this is where you are, are constantly. You live, you work. Last time we met up with you, um, we met you uh, at now. Right. Access was part of that uh, George Gallego's place too, right? Like, yeah, exactly. That's right, right. The gym, That's yeah. Because if you listen, exactly. to, if you go back and listen to it, we were like in a closet, <laughs> and you can hear the clanking of plates and stuff. It's like, yeah, first podcast we've ever done from a gym. That's for sure. <laughs> you know, <laughs> talking about Wesley Snipes' fucking biography. <laughs> oh, that's right. Shit, didn't I send you a bunch of Wesley Snipes DVDs? <laughs> that's right. I forgot about that. <laughs> That was just the funniest shit. And of all, all the years of doing this show, man, when you were just like totally just brushed past, like, yeah, so I remember reading Snipes' biography. I'm like, what? You're like the only guy that I know that's ever read that, ever. <laughs> Snipes, like, thank you so much, man. You got me on the list at Amazon. He's going to chip away at that tax debt, man. You know, he needs to sell some Yeah, yeah right, right, right. Oh, my God. Right. But, you know, uh, it's like, speaking of that, I mean, it's, again, you know, you keep talking about accessible for everyone, but it goes beyond just the physical accessible. I mean, it also goes beyond um, people that aren't necessarily 100% able-bodied or, you know, it's like you, and you brushed past it, but you talked about, you know, people that hadn't had maybe the same opportunities. Um, and, And that's certainly a neighborhood where there are pockets where people haven't had the same opportunities. So, like, I like that accessible for everyone it goes beyond i think what is it presumed it to mean because when people meet you and they obviously you've been involved with wine on wheels and wheeling forward and all these things but it because of your kind of 
mean, your DNA is interwoven. I mean, you are born and bred New Yorker and, you know, you've been in right. Harlem for, a, a, I, I, have you been there your whole life or just a very long time? Just a long time. Yeah. yeah. I'm born and raised um, in Hell's Kitchen. Um, That's right. The other side of that. But, but yeah, very much involved with East Harlem and, and the South Bronx area um, and have been for a long time. Yeah, man. So and you finally, uh, you've got, now you've got a bar. Um, and yeah. I, I read that, uh, your wife's doing cocktails. So that's pretty, pretty cool. Yeah. Yeah. Um, her hey, background up. Yeah, I mean, I didn't, I, I, <laughs> I never realized, I mean, how good she was. I mean, I knew she was very talented, but I guess it, it takes a project to kind of really see someone's talent. And, yeah, you know, yeah. she like really spent a lot of time, you know, a lot of these kind of uh, classic cocktails that she was working on and they've been a big hit. I mean, they really have, and, and they've been really essential for our business because we do have a lot of people that aren't wine drinkers, but love cocktails and love mm-hmm. beer and all that. So it was great working with her on that stuff. Yeah. It's um, it's interesting. I mean, obviously I work with my wife as well. And as many times as we've, you know, nearly killed each other or wanted to kill each other, it is pretty fun to like see her like hit her stride and really, you know, do what she does. And it's it, yeah. quite impressive. I mean, she's got a definite skill set that I don't have, you know, when it comes to just memorizing numbers and she's great at yes. that. You know? It's just, I, I'll do the public facing stuff. She's really great. And, you know, she could tell you the cost of anything for invoices going back wow. 15 years, like, well, three years ago in August, it was this. And like, yeah. Yeah. I don't know how she does it, but so like she, because she's doing the cocktails and like doing, uh, you know, more of the bar work while you're out on the floor. I mean, she kind of jacked your dream, man. You're you're no longer Sam Malone. <laughs> <laughs> Love that guy. Love she, that show. You be, know, that uh, show. Oh my gosh. Um, geez, who was uh Kirstie Alley's? I was thinking Rebecca. There we go. <laughs> yeah. Rebecca, yeah, Rebecca, Rebecca Howell. <laughs> yeah, that's right. <laughs> so, you know, again, going back through all of this this right. New York Times article, man. I mean, I just reading it and not knowing you, it just, it, there's all these quotable quotes, right? And, and it's like, oh my God, this guy, it's just too impossible that, you know, these quotes are just fucking crafted and, and perfect. But I mean, again, anybody that knows you or has heard you knows that like, this all like really comes from your heart. And this place has been such a long time coming that, you know, yeah, that's yeah. just the kind of operational service aspect of it, which is such a huge part of what we do. Sure. But the wine side of it, is pretty uh, fantastic as well. Cause it's a pretty uh, succinct list from what I read. Um, haven't actually been to the location cause COVID has made that very difficult. Um, but, you know, tell me about your menu. Um, tell me about the wine list. Tell me about the food. Tell me about everything. You know, I mean, the yeah, menu yeah. itself is very cool um, being in the neighborhood you're in. Absolutely. I mean, um, the chef, um, he's a partner, Oscar Lorenzi. His background is he's, he's classically uh, French trained but he's from Lima, Peru, and he's been in New York for well over 20 years. And he's definitely a New Yorker through and through in many <laughs> ways. Um, and, and just a real generous guy, very passionate, loves to talk about food, big wine drinker, lo- knows a heck of a lot about wine, but also a big cocktail guy. He goes to a lot of cocktail mm-hmm. bars here in New York City. So he's got this really intense curiosity for a lot of different things. So it's such a, it's such a pleasure to have him. When he came on board... I don't think we ever really had a full concept of what we wanted for cuisine, but just kind of simple, but yet good. And he Mm. agreed upon that. And, you know, he said, I think it's going to be Peruvian based if you guys are cool with that. I'm like, yeah, I'm not familiar with it, except for what I see in the media, that it's just really 
having its this well-deserved, you know, moment in the sun. Mm-hmm. Um, and it has, I mean, Peruvian food has always been good, you know, it's just, we're just paying attention to it now. And so I thought it was just super exciting to have that. And, you know, it's got a lot of these kind of, there, there, there's a lot of heat. There's a lot of spice behind it, mm-hmm. but they are very, uh, wine and beverage friendly, his food. And, um, you know, that it's, it's seafood centric, but there are some meat based dishes, but it's just very eclectic and, and it's incredibly affordable. I think, you know, you're getting, you know, you're getting some really good value for the complexity and the depth of the food itself. The wine list very simply are wines that I could afford, you know, are wines that I would drink on a regular basis. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's what you see on the wine list. You know, there are wines from all around the world. Um, there's on the first page of the wine list, um, you know, there's a, it's dedicated, it's called wines of social impact and it's, it's wineries or winemakers. Um, they may not look like me. And what I mean by that, you know, usually you typically see, you know, a white guy with a nice suit, you know, making the wine or whatever it is, you know? Uh, um, but it, it's, it's people from all different types of backgrounds who are really challenging the status quo, who are making, who are thinking outside the box and really having, a, 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 an impact on a social uh, basis, but we also have winemakers there that are also really kind of um, practicing, uh, um, you know, farming sustainably, regenerative farming, right. and having an environmental impact. So that's also really important. And then also, you know, I feel really strongly about you know uh, farming practices from an organic biodynamic standpoint and and regenerative farming. But in order to do so, I also have to, you know, support what's local. Now, I'm not going to just put a winery that's, you know, practicing, you know, social uh, sustainability, but then the wines aren't good or the right. same thing with farming. Um, we, but 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 here we, we have dedicated a list or a section called East Coast Terroir. So we have wineries from Vermont. We have a blueberry sparkling wine from Maine, uh, which is just dynamite, uh, Maryland, Virginia and of course New York. So again, you know, you can you can talk all the stuff that you want, but if you don't have a winery within a hundred mile radius, there there's there's some hypocrisy there, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, and so we've definitely we definitely showcased that for sure, and I'm very proud of that section, both sections. Well, and to like really put a spotlight on some of those locales, you know, it takes a restaurant like Contento or a Psalm like you to be able to like put, you know put a highlight on it, put it on the menu expose yeah. people to it again accessible um you know it's affordable people can come in they can try something new you know again you know obviously uh, you know vines were planted in virginia right from the get-go uh, when europeans came over and stopped that's right here um but you know that's been forgotten about you know so um right. and so it's it's interesting to kind of see what's going on but again you we subscribe to the magazines we buy the books we read the blogs we listen to the podcasts we do all that and so like for us, it's like, oh, yeah, well, we, of course, we know it's there. But, you know, when you talk to somebody outside the, I can talk, I promise. Outside the industry, you know, it's, um, they just need to have that kind of introduction to it. And I think this is a perfect way, especially with such a succinct list. I mean, how many, how many bottles do you have on the, on the wine list there? You know, for a small list, I think now we're like close to about over 200 bottles. Yeah. Um, yeah. We do have a lot, we have a, on the last page, we have something called like the lost wine section. So it's older b- bottles that we find sure. through like, you know, and the bins, but very low markups. Yeah. And again, it's the list is made so people can come in there, 
maybe they've never had an older bottle of wine. They can spend, you know, that money, but it's still significantly cheaper than what you would buy it at another restaurant. Right. But yet they can still buy a nice bottle of wine for 40 bucks and not have a, a hole burned through their pocket. Yeah. I mean, that was, we had about 200 bottles at black market before we became victim to the pandemic. And I mean, that's, right. that's stuff in the place full, you know, having that kind of seller, but it yes. is, but you really have to make conscious decisions about what you put on that list at that point. And you also for have sure. to, like you kind of addressed already, you have to figure out what statement you want to make. And so you've exactly. got that additional um, kind of hurdle of, of the cuisine being one that people aren't automatically, I mean, there's no like go-tos with pairings, right? Like you, you really are in the hands of the Psalm or the wine director right. to like kind of guide you through to make sure, you know, you just, nobody walks in, gets a ceviche and a giant yep. half a cab, you know, or something right. like yeah, that. Yeah, 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 that's, yeah. <laughs> yeah, right. Exactly. I mean, it happens a lot, you know, and um, I guess the food, it is very wine friendly. So that's fantastic. You know, we, what we run into a lot um, with Asian cuisine is that, you know, every, every dish has all of the notes, <laughs> you know, it's got the sour and the salt yeah. and spicy. And so it's very hard to compliment uh, a dish, you know, and so you kind of, right. wine often takes the backseat. It's a little, it's a little tricky. And I could very much see that being uh, a trick and a hurdle for you as well, because uh, I've been sure. eating Peruvian food for about 20, 20 years, 25 years. Cause I, a good friend of mine that was a host, I had a restaurant right. was Peruvian. So we started drinking wine together every night. <laughs> you were ahead of the game. Yeah. I didn't know, you know, but she was great. She was a little older than me. And, and I, I just, I love that uh, when I was in my um, early twenties and uh, gosh, she was probably would have been mid forties, maybe fifties at that time. we became close friends, but I love that she, uh, she had just moved to the United States. And, um, as I was going home from the bars every night, I'd have to drive by her house and, um, and it'd be like midnight, you know, she had to be at work at 8am and all the lights were on and I dropped by and, you know, her husband answered the door like, Hey, come in, let's drink some wine. And it's like midnight. Right, they got to right. go to work in eight hours. Right. Twice right. I'm like, this is fantastic. I love these people. You know, they're like, well, yeah, we don't eat like as early as you guys do. You know, we don't eat right, till right, 12, 10 o'clock. Right, so, right, yeah, right, right. Really um, a lot of fun, but, you know, it was always wine. Always. Like there was never pop open a beer. When we go to the house, it was always breaking open a bottle of wine. And so it's pretty exciting to kind of see that. And I, I agree. I think it's having a bit of a moment um, in certain pockets, you know. It's kind of great yeah, that no, Jose Andres has got his place in, in DC as well. You know, he's got a yeah a bigger yeah, yeah. stage than a lot of us, <laughs> than all of us. Indeed, no, <laughs> yeah. The, the 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 feedback's been really incredible. Um, but you know, I, again, I think you know one of the great compliments that I get is that people of, of all backgrounds, by the way, they come by and they leave saying, "I feel like I just ate it at somebody's home." And, and I, I feel like I could be my, like be myself. And I think that's the best compliment you can get. You know, I really do. And that, that's what excites me the most. Well, again, I, I mentioned at the top, um, about the space, just feeling very welcome, but like, it's gorgeous. Um, again, the New York times, and I'll link the article uh, here in the show notes, so everybody can kind of see some of the photos that the times took, but I mean, it's very warm and it feels like it's been there for a lot longer than four or five months, you know, and that's, that's very hard to accomplish even for places that have been there a decade. Yeah, it, it, <laughs> you're it, like, it feels like, yeah, yeah, like forever. <laughs> oh my god, yeah. I, I can tell you, I me and my wife, we just talked about it today. We're like, shit, is it like almost like you know, 
six months or June 10th is, or is when we officially open. And when you think about it, we've got like, what, like less than like, you know, 70 days till the end of the year. It's like, it's so nuts. It's like unbelievable. And so it has been, it has been a roller coaster ride. And I mean, I have to tell you, man, it is, it's beautiful, but yet exhausting all at the same time. Yeah. So how I mean, how are you holding up? You know, apart from like the actual, like logistics of the business and all that, I mean, personally, how's I want, you know, how is taxing has this been to do during opening in the middle of a pandemic? Because you say it's only been, you know, five, right. six months. I mean, that's open. Of course, the build out itself takes a long time. But on top of that, I feel like every day of work facing what we're yeah. all, you know, dealing with these days is like five days of work, you know, it's, yeah, yeah, it's yeah. so much, you know, it's just, it feels like this last year and a half has been a decade. Um, yeah, no, well said. I, 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 what I will say is that interestingly enough, I think what the pandemic did was it kind of disrupted us. It disrupted us from actually being really prepared. Mm. And so we didn't know in what direction to go into. So we just kind of, we're like, okay, we just got to open now it's time. So we opened on June 10th, but I really, because I mean, listen, you open up a restaurant and it's always going to be kind of a crapshoot. It's always going to be chaotic. It's no matter how prepared you are. But I think that, I mean, we're all experienced. We all know this business, but yet we didn't know what to expect and what, and how to, prepare exactly because it was so unique with the pandemic. And I think that was the biggest issue, but just in general, like, you know, even now it's, it's such a beast, the restaurant, we're so busy. We're so, we're a small restaurant, but you know, we're, we're, we're turning seats over and, you know, we're getting phone calls from people left and right because they can't book on resi and they're getting mad at us because they can't get a table (laughs) or not mad, but you know, like, I I, I, believe me, I know. (laughs) Yeah, we, and, we our lease uh, leash hasn't shortened significantly on the uh, giving us uh, giving us kindness because we stayed open. <laughs> yeah, I know. Yeah, yeah, no, yeah, no, <laughs> seriously. But but that I think that has been really like the hardest part. But also trying to have the ability, at least for myself, to say like it's time to go because yeah. you know you get yeah. people that come by. Oh shit, you're about to leave. It's like 10 o'clock, but then that one person shows up, you know, mm-hmm. and you're like, oh, now I gotta stay. I know. And they, they're like, hey, how about you gotta have a glass of wine? You gotta like, and you know, <laughs> next thing you know, it's like 12:30. And uh, and you know, and then you gotta get up again. It's like you gotta get up at six because you got other things to do. You gotta respond to your emails. And I mean, it it is they, they have been very long days, and I'm talking about 14-hour days at the very least. Oh, sure, yeah. And I mean, it's, I do feel that anybody that kind of opened in the middle of this, and I, I think you hit the nail on the head, like because of that surprise factor, there was no precedent. You kind of were just making it up as you go. Um, you know, it, it definitely is going to be, I think it's going to be the defining aspect of how restaurants are operated in the next decade or so, because I, I know this sounds very pessimistic and, and I've gotten a lot of shit for saying this, but I think that we've kind of just wrapped up the golden age of farm to table. And the reason I say the golden age yeah. is because, you know, we just went through a decade of where it took very little to get a place open. You know, investors were willing to just shovel money into the hands of anybody that knew how to cook a little bit. <laughs> you know, like you didn't have to have that good a child. So they just wanted to be involved. Everybody wanted to be involved. And that was cool. As a diner, we're not going to see that again for a long time. Um, and so it was. it's very cool if you were paying attention, you know, over the last decade. But now we kind of uh, are having to pay attention to different things. 
Uh, one of the things that always fascinates me about restaurants, because I've now done this, you know, five times on my own, is that you can spend so much time. I mean, you years conceptualizing and doing your menus and planning for every contingency. And, you know, I'm an efficiency geek. I love to, you know, like the kind of, uh, you know, economy of motion, make sure you're not, you know, grabbing too many bottles or it's right behind you where everything needs to be. But then everything goes out the window the day you open and what you think the place is, you, I think I always feel like the, the restaurants that are the most awkward to be in or that feel the most manufactured are the ones where they're still trying to force it to, to remain that thing that was on the business plan. And the ones that feel the most comfortable yeah. are the ones where the owners let it become itself. You know, the restaurant yeah. has to, it, it will tell you what it is within six to 12 months. And you just have to be willing to accept the restaurants, you know, kind of narrative of what it wants to be. Yeah. And so how have you uh, seen that changing as, as now that you've kind of been open, you've got guests coming in, it's becoming its own living, breathing entity. You know, how have you seen that change versus what you kind of thought it would be? Yeah. And that's a, you know, absolutely agree with you. And, and I think that stuff that definitely happened to us at Contento kind of just letting things happen organically and just kind of go with the motion, especially during th this time. Mm. But I think again, um, you know, everybody that works there has just a really good attitude, nice people, all from the bartenders to the servers to the Psalms. Everyone's just kind of really kind and everyone brings something to the table. I mean, you know, we when we find out that it's someone's birthday, we have uh, we, we blast Stevie Wonder's happy birthday song, you know, and and it's corny and all that. But people love that shit. You know what I yeah, mean? Man, and, that's so, fun. And, and it's like now people are sort of looking forward to that, you know, we you know, and then we. And then we play a lot of hip hop. And then sometimes we play some like, you know, um, hair band music and we've got poison in the background. Um, and just because that's what I want to hear at that moment, that's the energy, you know? And so again, I think it, it's, it, it all goes with feeling. It all goes with the, how you're, what the, the guests are kind of exuding. Um, the other day I had a bunch of young people, but then on one table, we had a bunch of uh, older Upper East Side ladies, you know, very proper, but very, very cool, very kind. But, you know, so we had to kind of find that right balance of the music because, right. you know, they wanted to talk and, you know, music's too loud. It's it's hard for older people to hear when they're talking to each other. So I get that, you know, and but how do we like make keep them happy without losing the right. energy and, and the ambiance for the younger folks? And so you find that, you know, that that feeling. But at the, I think at the end of the day, that constant engagement with the guest and, and you know, just letting them know how appreciative you are of them coming to Contento and people like that, you know, I mean, um, there was a, there was two, two guests and we, I overheard them it, that it was their anniversary, you know, but then I needed that table because we have this kind of strict 90 minute <laughs> rule. And then I just kind of said, Hey, can I have you sit at the bar? And, you know, I could tell that they were a little like, Oh, are you rushing us? I was like, listen, I'm going to take care of you. And then sure enough, you know, we, we splashed them with a the little sparkling wine Gave them two free desserts. We blasted um, um, what's that? That song from that movie, Ghost, The Righteous Bro Brothers. You know, and and they just went nuts. And she was so happy. She's over the moon. She's like, "This is the best experience." So anyway, those are the type of things that we do. And I personally really enjoy it. You know, I especially love when they when guests come in and they're a little grumpy, maybe, and they leave there and they're like, "My God, you just made yeah. my night." Well, when it comes to service, and you know, it, it it in my mind, I'm I'm thinking about EMP, right? Like you yeah. live in Madison Park and 
the food's good. <laughs> I mean, I'm not going to diss on it. It's a fucking three-star restaurant. Oh, no. I mean, the food's good, oh, but yeah. that's not what you talk about when you leave. You talk about just the the beauty of the service. And, you know, and that's where I, everything I see written about Contento so far has just been how fun it was, how great the service was, how everybody was taken care of. And I'm really, and that, that's hard to, um, that's hard to train, right? I mean, we can we always say we, we can teach you the, what's, you know, what's in the bottle. We can teach you the adjectives. We can teach you the selling points. But we can't teach you to be cool, you know, but you're right. have that additional layer of like even um, increased expectations because of it being accessible for everyone. And so, I mean, how is there like, how are you approaching training, bringing people into the fold? Whereas everybody at this point still kind of been there from the beginning and it was all part of the birth of the project. Well, I think you, you've got to lead by example, right? And so if, if they see that how excited you are by pleasing the guests, usually it's infectious, right? But I think it, it really starts from even before service starts. I tell everybody, I said, I don't care what mood you're in. Once you come into these doors, you you say hello to everybody. You know, hey, Ed, good to see you. Hey, um, you know, Catherine, good to see you. Just a simple hello. You don't have to be best friends, but that you're already starting the day good. You know, just mm-hmm. a simple handshake, or you don't have to handshake if you don't want to. But generally, that's what I. You they know, can't do suggest. that anymore. <laughs> now we're bumping. Right, exactly. A little, a little fist bump. Right, exactly. <laughs> right. But I think, I think, I think that's really important. You know, and and if you can do that, um, then you're already you're, you're setting the precedent. I think the the other thing that I can't stand, and I hear that a lot, especially in people that work in the hospitality, how they always say, I hate people. I hate, I'm like, what the, like, what are you doing in this industry? Now, am I, am I, I'm, I'm, I would be the world's biggest liar if I don't say that there are nights when I'm working service and I'm like, holy crap, that table over there, they are obnoxious. They are difficult and all that. But generally speaking, I really like meeting people and I really like being around people and I like hearing their stories and, and, and where they're coming from. And so if you, I think it's important to try to teach that to, to our staff. Um, I, I I give, I'm, I don't micromanage at all. I like creativity. So I allow the staff, especially like the mixologists. I'm like, listen, do what, if they're cocktails or things that you feel strongly about, let me know, let's talk about it and let's see how it can benefit us and how we can add this to the menu. So I think again, empowering uh, creativity to the staff is also really a good incentive. Well, you know, you've talked as we, obviously the theme has been accessibility, but we were talking about, you know, guests showing up five minutes late, you have no idea what they've been through to even get there, you know? Yeah. So there's, it's an even increased expectation uh, when you see how, how great it is, how friendly everyone is. Um, and, you know, like you said, there's a wide range of needs for everybody. I mean, somebody may be blind, somebody may be in a chair, somebody may be deaf. I mean, all these right. things across the board, sure. you know, is there any like additional training you're providing to the staff? So that they don't act like an asshole on accident. You know what I mean? Like trying to overwhelm, like, you know, grab someone's arm to lead them to the table. And yeah, obviously, if you don't know this already, don't fucking do that. But, you know, I mean, how, how is that kind of process working for you? Well, I, I make it very clear to the entire staff. I'm like, the customer is not always right. That's the first thing, you know? And if the customer is making you feel uncomfortable or they're being rude or they're going a step too far, 
you let me know right away. <laughs> you don't and want I will and I will intervene. And I, that's the that's the beautiful part of like owning your own establishment, right? You can kind of set the rules. But it is so important for me that are that the people that work with us at Contento feel protected and feel like we're on their side, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, so the moment that I, and I tell them, I said, you know, if, if you don't feel comfortable telling the guests to leave you alone, you let me know and I will take care of it, but I will always back them up 100% and will always have their side. And I think for too long in the hospitality industry, we've taken on this notion that we have to eat shit. The customer's always right. Um, you know, guys, oh, you know what? He just slapped her on the ass. He was a little drunk. So that's okay. No, fuck that. Those right, days are right. over. Mm, and we've sure. got up. And even, even, even myself, I still, I can't believe I, you know, I, I'll be very honest with you. I hate, ha- I hate having to answer the phone. You know what I mean? Yeah. And um, yeah, it's a, <laughs> we all go home and, and hear that th- fucking phone ringing in our sleep and like, I can't, oh my you. God, jolted awake. Oh my God. The phone. <laughs> and people are, a lot of people lack phone etiquette. You know, they're fucking yeah. rude, man. Well, a year and a half I, of this has really turned off a lot of yeah. social skills. You know, yes. people have forgotten. Yes. And at the same time, they don't know what we've been putting up with for the last year and a half. And I, I've my tolerance for the rudeness is I, I've uh, there's a restaurant tour here locally that's, um, gosh, many many years ago. You know, he said to me, you know, something to the effect of like, sometimes you have to fire a customer. And um and ah, I like that remember quote. that yeah, I like always, that quote. And you know, and then within the last year, there's been some people really just unnecessarily unleashing it. Yes. Like, you know what? You're done. And I blocked their phone numbers so they can't call in carry out orders. I mean, just oh wow, yeah, okay. we're done with you. We don't want you back here again. You you made us uncomfortable or whatever. Just right. happened yesterday, as a matter of fact. <laughs> you know, I had some lady curse out uh, one of my uh Oh you know, my. One of my immigrant employees who doesn't speak perfect English screamed at her and like, well, that was the last time you get soup here. You know, it's crazy. <laughs> it's man. unbelievable. It, yeah, it's it, it really is crazy. But I love that quote. Sometimes you've got to fire a guest. And I think that is absolutely true. But yeah, people just take it to a, 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 a take it to a step where it doesn't need to go to. Right, right. And I think it's up to us, you know, you, myself, where we might have a platform and, you know, let, let's set a new precedent. You know what I mean? Like, you know, let, yes, we, we're, we're going to do what it takes to make you happy, but there are limits. Right. And if you cross that, we're going to let you know. Mm-hmm. I think a, what a lot of times people don't realize, you know, especially lunch crowd and you do lunch at Contento as well, right? Or, you, or just, no dinner, lunch. Just, just dinner. Just okay. dinner. That's correct. Yep. Yep. So I think that people forget that this is what we do. And this is like in our DNA, it's coded, it's in our blood. Yeah. And so when they come in and they treat us like shit because they had a bad day or their boss is being a dick or whatever. And they and like the reason I said lunch is because it, it happens more often at lunch than it does um, in the evening mm-hmm. because people have got that one hour and they want to go with their coworkers to kind of right. bitch about the boss. And, and then we get treated like shit. <laughs> and because of the you know staffing issues and hospitality right now, I'm on the floor all the time. And so oftentimes it's me you know, eating that. And I, I think that they forget that because this is what we do, that they might just go back to work and be like, ah, that I, that server sucked or that, that guy, right. I didn't like his attitude right. or whatever. They, they don't have to like me. It's fine. I guess sure. you know, I, sure. I want them to like me. I do, but you know, it's for them, it's an hour of their life. And they don't realize that we'd carry that home 
we think about it all day. We think about it all night. We're like, oh my God, are they ever going to come back? Is that going to spread? Or are, is no one ever going to come to my restaurant again? You know, all these things and like that we carry along with us. And it's certainly not healthy. You know, that's, that's right. terrible for your mental health to worry about just some guy that was a dick because, you know, someone cut him off in traffic and he happened to be in your restaurant five minutes later. And I think people forget that. We, they very often forget that we're humans on the other side of that, that it's pouring that glass of wine. Uh, absolutely. Um, there, yeah, I'm, I, I have to tell you, I, I, I'm too bad. We don't have video here. Cause it's like this, your face telling the story right there. <laughs> yeah. I'm, I'm shocked by how, how, how comfortable people are to, to, to just kind of yeah. be rude for, for no reason at all. And that's and coming from a New Yorker up. folks. That's coming from a New Yorker. <laughs> and he's, no, a- I agree with, I completely agree with you on yeah. all that, but, um, but it's great. And it's a uh, it's a real pleasure to to really kind of try to redefine this new era that we're going into. Because sure. I think you're right. Yeah. What you just said a few minutes ago, and 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 I really really love the staff that we have, and I just want them to feel safe and protected. So circling back around to that staff, so like as they because you are getting um, a wide swath of diners, um, especially with the media. Uh, and the media darling that you've become, um, you know, and, and just really talking about the accessibility, how it, it's easy to get into the place. You know, there's no like 20 inch ramps that aren't really yeah. useful and yeah. those sorts of things. You know, um, I mean, how the staff had to kind of has to be cognizant to be able to work with, you know, different needs at the bar or at the table with with the guests. I mean, is there any like are you going kind of through training or they just, is this something that's discussed pre-service? Like, Hey, listen, you know, if you've got a blind guest, this is how you should, you know, right. You know, these are the things you should not do because you know, you may not realize, but that's really fucking rude. And you might think you're being helpful, but you're not. Um, all the time. Um, and a lot of times I might just pull them aside for a second as they're dealing with the guests and, and, um, you know, Hey, you know, when you're serving a blind person, Tell them exactly where you're at. Hi, how are you? My name is Yannick. Um, I'm to the right of you. I'm wearing a blue suit with a white shirt. Um, I'm also in a wheelchair. And, and this happened the other day. And, the, and the, the person that was blind was like, oh, man, thanks for letting me know. I, I figured that you were in a wheelchair. And I was trying to figure out why your voice is projecting that way, you know, because I was a little lower. <laughs> like, I thought you were either and, really uh, short. <laughs> yeah. Or just, you know, or now when you come up and say, hey, I'm, I'm coming to the right of you. I'm serving you a, a wine glass. It's right above the knife. Mm-hmm. Um, these are Riedel glasses. It's It's got, you know, it's, so kind of just describing the situation mm. to them. So it makes them feel a part of it. And they certainly appreciate that. So those are little things that, that go a long way. I also have adaptive flatware available uh, upon a request and it's listed on the menu. Now, what's adaptive flatware? It's for people that are limited with their hands. You know, they might be weaker. They might they might have MS, um, ALS, um, um, something neurological, sure. um, or they might be a quadriplegic. And so, you know, if you spot that, you know, maybe you might you might just say to the whole table, even though there's three other able-bodied people, so you want to make them feel included, right? And right. so you might just say, by the way, if you guys have any reasonable accommodations please let me know. We'd love to help you with that. But it is it is on the menu and, and it's great. We, we've been able to offer adaptive flatware and it's adaptive flatware that, that's, in, that's polished silver. It looks beautiful. And so they, we have it and people use it, you know, and um, I think all restaurants should have that. It costs right. nothing 
you know, and that's what we do. So those little things go a long way. Well, you know, and this is where you're because you're becoming a media darling for a very particular reason. And that's because you're kind of carving out new territory, right? I mean, this is shit that has sort of been being done for hundreds of years. And the fact that we're just now kind of getting around to doing it in a whatever 32 seat restaurant in East Harlem, you know, um, it, it's, it's embarrassing that the industry itself doesn't know these things. And, you know, you're talking about um, serving a blind guest and right. I was just listening to a podcast uh, a couple of weeks ago and it was about, um, uh, well, the, the host is, is blind and he was talking about growing up and if he would take a friend of him to the movies and the guy would describe what was happening on screen. Like, Bar, apart from the dialogue and those are the things we don't think about you know when you're saying i'm i'm wearing a blue suit and i'm to your right this is your you know your Riedel glass and you know those sorts of things that like you know it's the extra flavor and it's part of the experience that you know we kind of take for granted right like i mean myself as a sighted person when i see the glass oh, that's a beautiful piece of glassware or like you just said with the flatware that's a beautiful you know knife there and so getting that description so that everyone can enjoy it equally i mean and those are the little things that you know, if you if you haven't, I guess, given it thought, you wouldn't even know. And that's where I think I really was when you're talking about the descriptive um, kind of experience at the table and or letting people know where you are. Like, those are the things that we can all take away from that. I guess that's where I'm going with that is that, you know, these are the sorts of things that everybody needs to be aware of. And so it, it kind of reminds me a little bit of uh, um, VJ in uh, Singapore that owns Native. And, you know, where he's just started out as a, a, a sustainable would be an understatement. Um, they weigh their trash every night. I think they got down to like 50 grams of actual waste. And yeah, it's in, it's insane. But because of that, because of that, you know, the, this it's who he is. It's in his DNA. It's, you know, it is now he's kind of become a leader in the community for that to teach other people how to make that happen. Right. So I know you're, you're quite busy and you already got enough on your plate. You've been, you know, you've got several not-for-profits you work with. Now you've got a hopefully profitable at some point, <laughs> you know. Yeah, yeah, right, 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 right. Exactly. Very well said. Well said. <laughs> right. Um, but, you know, uh, you know, these are the things that are going to be, you know, thrust upon you. Um, and I can see it happening already. You know, obviously you've been a voice for the community as it is, but these are the things that haven't been addressed at all. Um I mean, I've been in this business my whole life and uh, you've already mentioned things in the last 45 minutes that I'm like, shit, why mm -hmm. haven't I done that thing? You know, I mean, and, and so, yeah. you know, how can people within the hospitality industry or even just the general public, how can people make those small steps to be better, especially in hospitality, you know, uh, with restaurants? I mean, I guess, yeah. <laughs> first off, tell your fucking owners, make sure that everything's actually accessible. Um, you know, and I know that's tough. Um, you know, we had to go through some great pains to do that. We have one old building and it was, uh, it was a fight oh, sure. to, to, to get the ramp poured when we actually, I don't think they listen, hopefully, but we just poured it anyway. We didn't even get a permit. We we're like, fuck it. <laughs> well, I'll tell you what, Ed, you know, um, you know, definitely there's no secret that making some of these modifications can be very costly. I mean, that's just a sure. fact. Sure. But the, the long-term return on investment does pay off if you do it correctly. And, you know, you can't ignore that there are over 60 million Americans that have a disability. Now, they're all, you know, it's a very broad category. Realize that, right? But if you pay attention and if you, you do it right, they will come. I would say on a weekly basis, um, which may not seem like a big number, but it is, 
we probably get anywhere from about three to 5% on a weekly basis. I mean, in total of our guests that have some kind of disability, Sure. Um, you know, and I think that's a big deal. We're in an industry where like, you know, at the end of the year, when the restaurant says I'm, I've done 10% net profit, that's yeah. high. Well, that in reality, that's a low number. I mean, try telling that to, you know, if you had a job at Goldman Sachs, you had 10% net profit, right. get me out the door. We're only one pandemic, another pandemic away, another hurricane, uh, another uh, another terrorist attack from all from that restaurant falling apart. So we can't ignore numbers like that. One in four people that have a disability that do have money. So you've got to let's stop taking them for granted mm-hmm. and start thinking outside the box. Now, I realize that there are certain buildings that are just almost impossible. They're grandfathered, but there are ways to still make it work. And that starts from that culture. And if you can at least create that culture of welcoming and doing little things of like, maybe, maybe I'm going to make sure every menu has a QR code, not because of the pandemic, but also people that are in the low vision community or I'll have adaptive flatware, you know, things that are thoughtful can go a long way, actually. And people do appreciate that. And I can guarantee this is going to happen. So we might as well address it now. I'm going to get emails that are saying, you know, I want to be better. Um, I want to, you know, learn what I don't know. Who do I talk to? It's going to happen. And I don't want to f- slam your inbox because I could see no, it no, happening. Is, is that where we should do? Should we point people to you? If you want to get better, Absolutely. educate yourself, you know, make the improvements, reach out to Yannick. Um, Absolutely. And, and we'll have info. Okay, great. You know, because I know that I would you're love that. quite busy, but, you know. No, no, I would be honored. I would be honored. important work. And. You know, we, and I'm guilty as well, you know, in our old building, we went without a ramp for a long time. And I've got a regular mind that uh, is an ADA attorney um, and in a mechanized wheelchair. And so those, you know, it's like 600 fucking pounds or something like that. Yep. And um, the, the first time he came in, he made sure that uh, I knew that it was not up to code. And again, we were grandfathered in, but, um, you know, he liked yeah. the restaurant and he's become a friend over the years. But um, yeah, he made me lift that fucking thing. And uh, I was like, all right, I get you now. I follow you. <laughs> I'm like, I yeah, get yeah, this fucking heavy. But, um, you know, it, but we we made those things happen. And it, it, it's such a small step that it's so important to, like you said, a huge part of the, of the community. And not only that, like, just because you're able-bodied today doesn't mean you're going to be tomorrow. And, you know, well, and life 100%. can change on you, you know, as obviously preaching to the choir there. No, and you're absolutely right. I mean, again, this is all long term. Um, we're all going to know someone that has a disability. We're all going to experience something, whether it's, you know, on, you know, you break your leg, you get an operation, hip, hip surgery um, for people who have kids with strollers. Mm. I mean, all types. Of, so we all benefit from it at the end of the day. We truly, truly do. So why not like get into the habit of doing it now and just making it a more barrier free society? I like that. It's perfect, man. Accessibility for everyone. Well, exactly. and I, I, I appreciate you coming on the show as we oh wrap up. I, I'm just curious because, you know, we t- touched on it earlier, just on a personal note. I'm just wondering uh, what you're reading these days, you know, because uh, you're one of those guys that kind of just devours a lot of things. And I know you're really busy. Um, and But I um, always like to keep my finger on the pulse of what my guests are reading because, uh, you know, I've got, gonna... I've got my stereotypical uh, fucking bookshelf, you know, background behind me and on yeah. the here. But, uh, you know, there's most of this is like either well, that's like the rum section and that's like the section 
but this is the book that I'm actually reading. Oh, by, uh, oh yeah. that's Gaston. Yeah. Yeah. yeah Gaston uh, Peru. It's a beautiful book. So I'm actually reading that. And it's pretty, it's really impressive. So I, I wanted to show you, I wanted to show you this. I mean, I know your audience won't be, but the, the, I love the colors. It's vibrant. Oh, it says it all. Gorgeous. Yeah. I mean, it says Peru, right? On, I mean, literally and figuratively by the design, you know, I really love the, uh, the design of the front of the book. There. And the other book that I'm reading too is, is it's called, I don't know if you can see it. It's called the flavor equation. Yeah. And so it's all kind of like a breakdown on, on, on kind of molecular pairings and all that. And mm -hmm. it's an amazing book. So, you know, someone, if, if your audience like big on cocktails and all that kind of stuff, this is a great book called the flavor equation. Very cool, man. You know, I, like I said, these are, I've got so many books that have stacked up over the last year and a half, but I need to always add more, you know, I just can't, can't stop. Yes. Can't stop. Yes, exactly. <laughs> uh, I'm with you all the way. Yeah. And that's why I asked, cause I, you know, you're one of those guys that's, you, you just devour the stuff. And so I, I appreciate you coming on the show, man. I know we could bullshit for hours. I, I would love to. Yeah, yeah. And uh, I, I appreciate you taking time out of your day. And I've been wanting to do this for a little while, but I wanted you to kind of get stabilized a bit at Contento. Cause it's, that's crazy, man. Opening a new place. I mean, you're smiling. It is. It is. I don't know if it I is. smiled for at least the first year. <laughs> I don't think I had time. I was just like, I just got to go from point A to point B and back to point A and back yeah, to point B. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's, it's wild, man. But congratulations on the success of the place. Congratulations on getting it open in the first place in the middle of the most fucked up situation that we've had in 20 years. Um, I, I was going to say that we've had in our time in the hospitality, but you're in New York. So obviously I didn't have to deal with as much with the fallout of 9-11 um, as yeah, but it affected restaurants, obviously. Well, yeah, 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 everybody yeah. saw it. I mean, that would have, I just had started um, my management career at, at that time. Wow. So, yeah. Um, it was yeah. a crazy time. Yeah, for sure. No, crazy yeah, for sure. But yeah, this is, uh, it's definitely, um, there's no, there's no chart to navigate these waters. And so there it, is no chart. Absolutely. <laughs> yeah. But you've been, uh, you're, you are navigating it very well. The, the media's you. loved you. And there's a very good reason for that is because you're one of the most genuine dudes I know, man. And uh, Thank you. Um, I appreciate it, man. I can't wait to come check out the list. Oh, Everybody else, gosh. you know, where can we people find you online? Find the restaurant, find uh, all your projects, all that. Where can people find you? Um, at Yannick Benjamin, Instagram, you know, Facebook, Twitter. Um, you can you can email me too as well. Um, it's on the website at contentonyc.com. But my email is Yannick at contentonyc. Please, any questions about accessibility? or just about the business or whatever I can do to help, you can reach me there too as well. I mean, we have our own Instagram, you know, account for the restaurant at Contento NYC as well. So, you know, we're pretty, pretty easy to find. You can find me, uh, you know, anywhere. So please. Yeah. Please and you're on the floor practically every night as well, right? I am. <laughs> yeah. I am. Yeah. yeah. You can tell with the sleepy eyes and the nod up and down, like, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> Well, man, I'm going to let you get back to your evening. I Thank know you, that man. you don't get too many hours off, so I appreciate Thank you, brother. And I'll hit you up soon, man. And uh, Oh, please. I may actually just be showing up on your doorstep here before it gets too cold. So I've waited anytime, too long as it is. You know. Anytime. I look forward to it. Well, Thank sir, you, brother. cheers, man. Thank you.